Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. because tomorrow has never been lived. Tomorrow has never been lived. It's going to be a great day. So when you leave here tonight, I want you to leave here saying tomorrow's going to be a wonderful day. Tomorrow's going to be a great day. It's a day I haven't seen. It's a great day of opportunity. It's a great day for me to seize the moment. It's a great day for me to move up. It's a great day for me to move forward. You believe in that? I believe in that. Somebody asked me the other day, somebody asked me the other day, said, I'd just like to follow you around and see how you wake up in the morning and what you do when you get out of your house and how you handle it. Well, I, 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 it, it's very simple. When I get up in the morning, I thank God for a day I've never seen. When I go to bed at night, I thank God for the day that I got to live. Every day is a blessing. It's called the precious present. It's right now. We get to live today. It's a great day to be alive right now. Amen. We don't look forward. I, if, I can't, if I can't just get, a, get a, a praise going up in my heart right now, I can't do one tomorrow no matter what happens. If I can't praise him right now for being alive right now, for giving me grace right now, for giving me unmerited favor right now, then I can't praise him though he heals my body, though he brings me out of things. I need to bless the name of the Lord right now. I need to bless his name right now. It's an honor to bless the name of the Lord. Come on. It's an honor to bless the Lord right now. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, I'm going to, I'm trying to be a little spiritual now because I'm going to be very practical tonight teaching. My teaching tonight is going to be very practical. And when I say practical, it's going to be kind of non-spiritual. And so I know some of you have a hard time with that, but just gear your little motor down a little bit. And we're going to just talk to you tonight about life. We're going to talk about life tonight. And there was a book that Stephen Covey wrote several years ago. It's called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And from that, from that, I have, I have spun something for you here tonight. And next week, it's going to be a little two-part series tonight and next Wednesday. And so you'll know I'll show up next Wednesday. I want you to show up next Wednesday, get the rest of it. Uh, the precious lady back there that is sent to Maryland that's going to that's gonna run the overhead tonight. She asked me if she could just keep a copy of my notes tonight. <laughs> and so if you want a copy of my notes, I'll share them with you. I don't mind sharing anything that I have with the people of God. Um, I just don't want you posting them on Facebook or something, you know, and just take them to yourself and put them on your refrigerator, whatever you want to do. But if you want to take notes tonight, tonight would be a good night to get out your pen and paper. And we're going to talk to you real plainly tonight. I'm going to speak tonight on what makes people ineffective. I know it sounds negative, but it's really not. It, it, it's something that we need to look at. <clears throat> we need to understand in our life and our concepts. What makes people, if I'm not effective, why am I not effective? If I'm not making life matter to myself and other people, why am I not making life matter? What makes people ineffective? Amen? We're going to look at Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 21. It says this. Just look at the screen. You don't have to stand. Let love be without dissimulation. 
Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and for honor preferring one another. I love this. Paul just keeps broadsideness. Not sloth, slothful in business, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Hello. Amen. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do not rejoice, that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as it as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him something to drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. If my mama used that scripture one time, she used it 4,700 times in my life. Just heap coals of fire on her head. Well, that meant I wanted to pour something on her head that burned them. I didn't understand it then because she didn't quote the rest of it. Be not overcome of evil. But overcome evil with. Isn't that some powerful writing? That's good stuff right there. Okay, close your Bibles. We're going home. No, we're not. This evening, I'd like to share a message with you that pertains to those things that you do in your life on a regular basis that contributes to either your success or failure. It's what we repeatedly do that determines the success or failure in our life. Say amen to that. That makes us either effective or ineffective at work, at home, at church, or on the job. So this evening, I want to share with you what I call seven habits, seven things of people who are highly ineffective, not effective. I want to stretch you tonight. A rubber band is worthless until it is stretched and see if it has holding power. Sundials do not tell good time on a cloudy day. So we must have the Spirit of God's help here tonight. Shine on us, Lord, and let us speak words of wisdom and understanding to these people. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and 2, I'm not going to put it all on the screen. I've got too many scriptures. It says, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. All too often, folks, we say one thing and do another in our daily affairs in life. For it's easy to say things that we cannot do. My dad used to say, don't let your mouth write a check that your body cannot pay for, which discredits us and the gospel and makes us unsuccessful and ineffective in our life. The message tonight is about changing our habits from bad to good and from good to better, and from better to best. Amen? Amen? Amen. It will cause us to achieve optimum effectiveness in every area of our lives. Everybody say, all of us, all of us. have bad habits. Yes. Some are known, and some are unknown. Thank God for those that you don't know about. 
Wives could make a list of their husband's bad habits, like biting nails and, in our house, drinking directly out of the milk carton when the milk is low and I can finish it. That's all the time I do it because I never let backwash pollute my family. But this is some of the nicer things. I will not deal tonight with bad things because everybody has some bad habits and everybody has some flaws. And some of them aren't public and they aren't going to hurt your life. But ladies and gentlemen, because we have these, they can make you very ineffective and keep you from succeeding in life. I do know this, that there are a lot of average Christians that aim for mediocrity and have already arrived there and are happy where they're living. And my job as a pastor of this church, my calling, is to take you out of mediocrity and take you out of that level living and put you on a mount again and let you understand that God is a God that wants to take you higher and wants to bless you greater, that you have not arrived where God wants you to arrive because if you had, he would have already took you home. It does not matter if you're 6 or 60 here tonight. God has something greater and something more glorious and something more awesome for you in your life. Clap your hands and rejoice in that and say amen. I'm talking about success in God. But also know that God wants us to be more than average. He wants us to be, say, excellent. Excellent in everything we do and bring honor and glory to his name. See, this kind of success, this kind of success is a result of repeated good habits. So what I want to do is take bad habits and make them good. Take good habits and make them better. And take better habits and make them the very best that they can be. Do not settle for anything less than God's best in your life. There's a scripture I'm going to put on the screen from Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. It said, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I'm so glad that God's got success in the Bible. I'm glad that good success is in the Bible. I'm glad that prosperous is in the Bible. I'm not preaching a get-rich-quick mentality, but I think God wants us all to be prosperous in this church. I think God wants all of us to have great success in this church. Amen? I do not think God gets glory out of seeing us weep and, and cry and beg and, and scream and say, God, you have blessed others and you're not blessing me. And here we are, children of God. David said, I'm an old man, but I used to be a young man. But I've never seen righteous people forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I think we need to understand that God wants to make us prosperous and give us good success in life. Amen? So put that down. Here's an illustration. Aristotle said this, We are what we repeatedly do. Say it with me. We are what we repeatedly do. If our habits are good habits, we will repeatedly do the right things to bring continual lifestyle of effectiveness, prosperity, and blessing in our life. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 10 is on the screen. Don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. A man will always reap just the kind of crop he sows. If he sows to the flesh, he'll reap flesh. If he sows to the Spirit, he'll reap life everlasting. 
Then he said, do not be weary in well-doing. In due season, you're going to reap if you faint not. Let us do good to all men, especially those to the household of faith. If you can be kind to somebody out there that you don't even know, reach over and pat your wife and say, wow, I'm going to be real kind to you. If you can be kind out there to people that curse you on the job because you're afraid of losing your job, reach over and touch the hand of a brother, brother, a sister, sister, and say, I'm going to be extra kind to you tonight. Because if I can be kind to those kind of people, I'm going to be kind to God's people. Amen. There should not be any strife. There should not be any schisms in the house of God. We all love the same Savior. We're all trying to go to the same heaven. Let's be kind one to another. Clap your hands and say, I'm going to do that, Pastor, in the name of the Lord. See, the law, the law of the harvest has never failed. If you sow right, you're going to reap right. We talked, had a series here called Good Pharma several months ago, and we talked about the law of the harvest. You sow bad habits, you're going to reap consequences. You sow good habits, you're going to reap prosperity and blessing. Here's what I want to talk to you about tonight. One of the things that highly ineffective people are not is good time managers. Let's talk about it. People who are highly ineffective are not good time managers. Now, let's talk about that. I think that God's people ought to be on time to work. It's going to be practical tonight. I think God's people ought to be on time for church. I think God's people ought to be on time for anything at the school. I think we ought to be the first ones there. Well, that went good. That's why I'm smiling so big. I don't think we ought to be dragging up the rear in everything that happens in life. I think we ought to be leaders. I think God's children ought to be leaders in life. A newspaper article reported that the average worker is productive only 35% of the time. About 15% of time is lost in personal time. 30% is lost in scheduling problems, unclear assignments, and improper staffing. Unsuccessful people do not manage their time. They let time consume them. Ephesians 5 and 16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Psalms 31 and 15 says, My times are in thine hands. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Proverbs 19 and 15 says, Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and the idle soul shall suffer hunger. See, the dividing line between success and failure in some cases is five words. I did not have time. I did not have time. Remember, Everybody that lives, folks, has 24 hours. Are you with me? A wife has 24 hours. Kids have 24 hours. Spiritual life has 24 hours. Exercise, 24 hours. Good guys and bad guys all have the same times. 24 hours make up every day. Someone in business made this statement, said this. I didn't say it, but I like it. Are you where you want to be in life because you planned it that way, or did you just wash up on the beach one day? In other words, if you don't have a plan for managing your life and your time, then you're a victim of everything and everybody around you. You've got to get up in the morning and say, for the next five minutes, I'm going to bless the Lord right here, right now. And then I'm going to compartmentalize, and for the next ten, I'm going to eat my Cheerios with my milk and check the headlines in the paper. Then I'm going to go start my car, and I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to be there on time. 
And when I get there, I'm going to be early enough to make coffee for everybody because I'm going to be one that redeems my time. People who don't take time to manage their time is always run over by time. And we say, oh, my God, where has the day gone? Oh, Jesus, my God, where has the day gone? Here are some things that I call pastoral suggestions, just suggestions, not demands, five of them. Number one, you need to learn to prioritize. It's not the clock that's your enemy. It's the priorities that are not working in your life. What is important and what is not important, some things are important and some things are necessary. You've got to learn to distinguish between the important things and the necessary things. Someone once said, you cannot overestimate the unimportance of practically everything. Did you get it? You cannot underestimate the unimportance of practically everything. We're being hit on every side, folks, by the phone, by the TV, by our kids, and we have to determine what is important because they all seem to be important and what is necessary and what has high return and what doesn't have high return. Some things that I view important are not necessary for me to succeed or fail. Necessary things are vital. Sometimes important things are not vital. Some of you travel, and a lot of you probably know the number one rule for traveling is don't always overpack too much stuff because you're not going to be staying that long where you're going. So it is with life. We sometimes take too much stuff on ourselves. We call it important, but is it necessary? Here is necessary. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. I don't care how much important stuff comes in your world. Sometime or other, you've got to stop and say, here's a necessary thing. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Do you want to clap your hands with me tonight, right now? Let's just magnify him. Come on, prioritize the fact that God is first in your life. You've got to prioritize that. You've got to prioritize that. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 said, To everything there's a season and a time and ever purpose under heaven. Do you know if you ever read those 28 things in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there's 28 things there, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to reap and all that. You know there's never a time to quit mentioned there. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Amen. I don't care how behind you are in your time. Don't quit because I'm going to tell you how to go to heaven. Just keep going. You just don't quit. Come on, don't quit. Don't quit church. Don't quit life. Don't quit your marriage. Don't quit on your kids. Don't quit on your job. Just keep going. Come on, just keep going. To everything there's a season except quitting. You can't quit. Everybody say prioritize. Second thing you got to do is plan your time. See, every minute planned saves two minutes in execution. So I have to plan time for my sleep. I do. You know what time I go to bed tonight? Let me tell you what time I'm going to go to bed tonight. Somewhere about 10.25. About 10.25. Because that's when the news will be off and I'll know who won the ball games. <laughs> Amen? I have, to have, I have to plan time to eat. I have to plan time to have somebody mow my grass. <laughs> or go play golf. <laughs> I have to have time to know when I'm going to work and everything else around that. Remember... A perfect day, you can plan things by the minute, but how many perfect days do we see and how many perfect days do we have? Because there's always something happening to mess up our perfect day. So you got to figure in some time with these things called imperfection. Remember this, that nothing works smoothly 
without interruption. You're going to have them. So give yourself some time between events or you'll be frustrated, have high blood pressure, have all kinds of problems and be a victim of a heart attack. In fact, you should plan your day expecting the unexpected to happen to you. And so when it happens, you say, well, I got five minutes to handle that and then we're going to move on. You don't let things overwhelm you to a point where you lose what you're trying to do in life. Get yourself a, a day plan, plan your time, and move forward in the name of the Lord. Somebody asked me, how do you pastor a church? How do you do this? How do you take care of your family? How do you, how do you take care of things you do downtown? How do you take care of people that you meet all? How do you take care of the hospital? Here's what I do. Let me tell you what I do. I'm going to give you a pastoral secret. I compartmentalize. I do, I do, I do sometimes 15 minutes uh, an hour, 15 minutes a segment. I'll do this for 15 minutes, this for 15 minutes. Sometimes when i got six things to do, I take 10 minutes Per, per, per situation, per unit. If I have a phone call to make, I make time to make that phone call. I know what I got to do. Now, you say, Pastor, you live that much by the clock? No, 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 I don't. It's just become a normal activity in my life now. But I do believe with all my heart that if you allow yourself, you can get so flustered, you'll have phone calls this deep, you'll forget to make them, you won't call back, and all of a sudden you're in trouble, and the boss won't you, and the boss don't hear from you, and all that happens. But here's what you got to do. You got to plan to make Things happen in your life. You've got to set a clock and say, it's what I'm going to do. I'm going to plan my time. Say amen to that. Amen. The third thing you've got to do, you've got to file for the future. One of the greatest things we've ever done, I'm going to be real quick here, is get a file cabinet at our house. Because some of you want to program your VCR, but you don't know where the owner's manual is. Some of you want to read an article you read last week in Time Magazine, and you can't find Time Magazine. I think the greatest investment a family could make is to buy a file cabinet and use it. I told you I was going to be practical tonight. Use it. Make a file of important things you read. Make a file for your owner's manual. Make a file of important stuff in your life, and you can save a lot of time looking for it when you need it. Prioritize. Plan your time and make a file. Number four, this is all about, this is all about understanding the thing that I talked about, that you've got to understand that life moves on. Learn to delegate the things you don't need to do yourself. How many of you like to delegate? Oh, I love to delegate. Nate Keating used to be our chief delegator. He wouldn't do nothing. He made everybody do stuff for him. And he's pastor now and he's still delegating. If you don't have a plan, you're planning to fail. Everything does not have to revolve around you as a leader. Learn to delegate responsibilities. Wives, you need to learn how to get your kids to start cooking a little bit. And take out the trash. And vacuum. And, Dad, you need to teach that boy how to mow the yard if you know how to do it yourself. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm glad i got somebody to help me with mine. Moses learned things from his father-in-law, Jethro, in Exodus 18. You need to read that sometime. Moses led 3 million people, and Jethro said, here's what you got to do. You've got to have captains over 1,000. You have to have captains over 100 and captains over 50. You've got to learn how to delegate things in your life because if you don't know how, everything will come upon you. Let me tell you something that I learned a long time ago. A pastor that thinks he can pastor by himself is the most egomaniacal man walking on the earth. You have to have all kinds of people to help you pastor a congregation. And we have one of the finest staffs in the history of this church working for this church right now because we need everybody's hands on deck. We don't have good church just because we show up and have church. We plan to have church good. And that's what happens. So you got to prioritize. You got to plan your time. You got to file for the future. You got to delegate. And number five, you got to simplify your life. You got to learn to eliminate some things. Everybody say eliminate. Decide what you want to do and what not to do. Learn to say no, or everybody will dominate your schedule and you won't be effective. 
It's especially true when telemarketers start calling you. Here's what you do. When a telemark you see it on the TV when the telemarketer's calling, you know it's a telemarketer. Just pick up the phone and hang it right back up. <laughs> It'll save you about 30 seconds trying to explain that you don't need that, that policy. You don't need that. Just glory. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Second thing, you got to learn to be a good time manager. Second thing, people who are highly ineffective possess a losing attitude. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. You show me someone who continually is ineffective, and I'll show you someone who doesn't think right. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Anybody getting mad at me yet? All right. You weren't created to lose. You were created to win. Let me say it again. You weren't created to lose. You were created to win. The Bible said God wants to make you the head and not the tail. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says God wants us to know the good plans he has for us, plans of hope, and to give us an expected end. We should live our life with a winning attitude, with great expectations. A lot of times our negative attitudes determine the outcome of a situation. Whenever your kids get a bad attitude, you need to drive that out of the house because that bad attitude will linger. You need something great and glorious to be happening in your home. If we can talk positive in this church, you can talk positive in your home. If we can say God is good in this church, you can say God is good at your home. It takes 10 positive statements to dissolve one negative remark. It's time for our homes to get positive and to have a winning attitude and our kids to understand that God is for them and God wants them to win in life. Amen. I met Charlie Jones one day. He wrote a book, What Makes Winners Win? And he says this, winners always figure out a way to win and losers always figure out a way to lose. A loser is a person who has an abundance of opportunities to learn and who has successful role models but just chooses not to try. That's what a loser is. Someone who can see it happening but just don't want to try. Only about 10% of Americans buy a book and read it to get information to build a future with. There was a sign in the bookstore once that said this, the man who will not read is no better than the man who cannot read. 10% of the people in our country haven't read a book or haven't had a new idea in 20 years. No wonder America is mediocrity and living in mediocrity. People with losing attitudes can't say, I can't. People with winning attitudes say, I can try. What's the difference? A mindset. Losers say, I don't have time for that. Winners say, I will make time for that. Losers say, it won't work. Winners say, it's worth a try. Losers say, life owes me. Winners say, I owe life. Losers say, it's not my job, but winners say, I'll be glad to help you. Losers say, I don't do that. Winners say, I'll do my very best for you today. Come on, somebody pick up the ball and let's go, let's go, let's go. Many of you have seen this and heard this and read this. The world is a better place because Michelangelo didn't say, I don't do ceilings. The world is a better place because Noah didn't say, I don't do boats. The world's a better place because David didn't say, I don't do giants. 
The world is a better place because Mary didn't say, I don't do virgin births. The world's a better place because Mary Magdalene didn't say, I don't do feet. The world's a better place because Peter didn't say, I don't do Gentiles. And the world is a better place because Jesus didn't say, I don't do crosses. Aren't you glad somebody stepped up to the plate and said, we're going to do this thing right. Come on, shout unto God right now. It's practical talk. It's practical talk tonight. Shout unto God right now. It's important. Everybody say time management. Everybody say proper, positive attitudes. Not losing attitudes. Proper, proper attitudes. <laughs> Somebody's listening to me. I'm getting an amen. She don't understand me, but she's got my spirit. People who are highly ineffective stop growing in life. Wow. Let me slow down. This is my last point tonight. Let me just talk a little. Show me someone who's not effective, and I'll show you someone who hadn't learned anything new and doesn't want to learn anything new and doesn't want to change. You are what you are. You are where you are because of what's going on in your heart and your mind. How many of you know that you can only change in proportion to the people you meet and the places you go? which is why you can't get into a small community and get narrow-minded. When I say small community, I'm talking about hanging around people that have the same old negative talk that they've always had. You've got to change communities. You can drive with, into that community 20 years later and nothing has changed. And it's sad to say there's a lot of churches and there's a lot of businesses just like that too. What happened? They simply quit growing. And when you quit growing, you quit going. Ephesians 4 says, But speaking the truth in love, that you may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Peter said in 1 Peter 2 and 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. 2 Peter 3 and 18 said, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forevermore. Amen. Titus 2 and 11 and 12 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. Everything that they talk about in the New Testament from Paul, Peter, Titus, all these lessons that we learn is saying you've got to get bigger. You've got to grow. You've got to grow in your walk. You've got to grow. You can't stay where you are. There's a big difference between growing old in the Lord and growing up in the Lord. One is automatic and requires no effort at all, just aging. But the other is never automatic or easy. It calls for personal discipline. It calls for continual determination. And it calls for spiritual desire. I want to compliment a lot of our elderly senior citizens in this church. Some of the coolest heads that ever walked on earth go to this church in their 70s and 80s. I want to clap for them right now. Some of the coolest heads on earth go to this church. And I promise you, you walk up to them and they're still trying to learn more. They're still trying to grow more. Roger Sperry won a Nobel Prize in 1981 in physiology. Look it up for yourself on talking about the two hemispheres of the brain. And he said, 
when you learn things, when you learn things like a new language or something new in your life, that those hemispheres have new connectors that join. In other words, you get new parts of your body. You get new brain waves up there because your brain is not dying on you. It's still living. And a lot of people are using that now for the Alzheimer's victims and for the dementia, uh, 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 the, the people that, are, that have dementia, early stages of dementia, because they teach them how to speak a language or they teach them some things in another language so that those people will start growing things and the dementia and the Alzheimer's is fading in some of these areas. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You can't set on stale. You can't stop where you are. You've got to keep growing in your walk. You've got to keep growing in your knowledge. You've got to keep growing in the things of God because God wants us to grow as a people of God and get bigger in our thinking and bigger in our walk and bigger in our talk about Him. Amen? Say amen to that. You got to grow up. You got to grow up. You got to grow up. Most of our churches are full of sleepy saints who are merely logging time in God's family. Successful people, everybody say grow. There's a, there's a beautiful scripture in Proverbs 18, 15. I didn't put it on the screen in the Living Bible. It says the intelligent man is always open to new ideas. In fact, he looks for them. The intelligent man. Well, we ain't never done it that way. going to change everything. I'll tell you what, they're going to change everything. They ain't never been done that way. I'll tell you what. I feel, I feel like we've got I want to ask you a question. Are you growing? Are you growing? That don't mean that I'm giving Kool-Aid away here tonight, but are you growing? Are you growing? Is God taking you to another level? Do you understand? Do you understand that the Holy Ghost is not the end of all things? It's the beginning of all things in your life. Do you understand that when the baptism of the Spirit comes in, you don't get your graduation diploma, you get your birth certificate. That's when you start growing in God. And God's got a lot of stuff for you. He's got a lot of things for you. He wants you to walk in him and trust in him and believe in him. He wants you to look at that fiery furnace someday and say, wow, there was a day I was afraid of that, but now I'm not. He wants you to look at that cancer one day and say, you know, they used to scare me to death, but that C word don't scare me anymore because I'm standing on the promises of God and I have grown in my faith and I've grown in my understanding that if God be for me, who can be against me? One of, my, one of my dear friends, he's an old, older man that lives up in Arkansas. He's a dear friend. His name is Bill Dean. He's, he's got five boys, and one of them passed away. One of them is a member of Phillips, Craig, and Dean. It's the Dean. Dan Dean is one of his boys, and Jerry and Johnny and Mark's an undertaker. And three of his boys were ministers, and one was an undertaker. And... Uh, Four of his boys were preachers, forgive me. One of them passed. But one day he came up missing. Brother Bill came up missing. It was his 77th birthday and he came up missing. He's still alive. He's still kicking. This was several years ago. He's still alive. He's still kicking, doing well. But he came up missing and his wife said, oh God, he's had a wreck. Something's happened. So she called the boys and all of them, all of them. I think Jerry even tried to get somebody to rent a plane for him to take him up. He had a man in his church that would fly him up. He's going to go see his daddy, and he finally got up there later that day, but everything was calm when he got there. 
But his daddy was turning 77 years old that day, and he'd been gone all day long, all day long. And he didn't, he didn't call his wife. He didn't want to call his wife. He didn't want his wife to know what he was doing. He was 77. And bless your heart, when you're 77, there's some things you don't have to do, you have to tell your wife that you're going to do. <laughs> That's what he thought. So what he did was he went out to the airstrip. He was a paratrooper in World War II, and he went out to the airstrip, and he said, if George Bush Sr. can parachute on his birthday at 77, I can parachute on my birthday at 77. But he didn't call Miss Dean to tell her about it. He waited until the wind was calm. He's at the airport all day long waiting for the wind to just get right. And he took off so low, so low, took off. Had a pilot. Thank God he had a jumper with him. Thank God he had somebody to coach him and to help him. And he comes out of the plane, folks. He comes out of the plane at 77. <laughs> Whee! He gets home that night. And his wife said, Bill, where have you been? Where have you been today? Make amends for yourself. What have you done? He said, honey, I went flying today. You went flying? Yeah. You mean you went up in a plane? Yeah. What else? Well, honey, we opened the door. As I told her, what else? Well, honey, I had a parachute on. I had a jumper with me, and we jumped out together. Honey, it felt wonderful. She said, don't you know you're 77? He said, yeah. Don't you know I'm 77? And I'm not going to die at 77 in a rocking chair. I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep going. He's in his 90s now. He's in his 90s now. <laughs> and I promise you, if I called him today, the first thing I would say is, Brother Bill, Brother Dean, let me ask you something. Do you ever dream of jumping again? And I promise you, in his 90s, he'd say, Oh, son, if I get my wife to turn her head just one more time. But she's got all the people at the airport telling, if I show up, they've got to call her. She's got a, she's got a, she's got a, 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 a contract out on them that if they don't call, they die. And so I can't, I can't jump anymore, son. I can't jump. That's what he'd tell me. I love that. I love the fact that a 77-year-old man said, I'm not going to shrivel up and die. I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to keep growing. And not only in our physicalness, but in our spiritualness. When's the last time you read a book on how to or listened to a tape? Growth isn't easy or automatic. It'll cost you something, but it'll cost you far more if you choose not to grow. I love the story of Samuel, and I'm coming to a close. I love the story of Samuel. Samuel was an awesome young man, but every year his mother came back. She brought him a coat larger than the year before. And it does not mean that he was just growing physically. He was growing spiritually. And there's a lot of Samuels in our house here tonight that need to get a bigger coat in your life. Whether it looks like it's going to swallow you up, just get a bigger coat and grow into it. And understand that God has more for you 
than you could ever imagine in your walk with him. Understand, there's, there's avenues of prayer and there's avenues of, 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 of the Holy Ghost. There's avenues of faith that he wants to take you down in your life. Don't stop being effective because you stop growing in your walk with God. Say amen to that. Let me close. First Timothy 4 says, Till I come, give attendance to reading and to exhortation to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that's in you, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profit may appear to all. Take heed to thyself and to the doctrine, and continue in them, for in doing so thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear you. People ought to be able to look at you and see your growth. You know, when I prepared this Bible study, I said, I have to grow as a leader of this church. I have to grow. I have to start preaching sermons that I've never preached before. I have to reach deeper and reach higher than I've ever reached in my life. If I'm going to take this church, I must grow as a leader. That applies in my marriage. My marriage must grow. That applies in your business. Your business must grow. That applies in your family. Your family must grow. That applies to your kids. Your kids must grow. That applies your response to the church. You must respond in growth to this church. Could I help this church be a better church? Could I be the person that could help this church be a better church? Somebody said church is like a football game. Let me say it real quickly. There's a quarterback sneak. That's church members leaving quietly during the invitation. Then there's a draw play, what children do to the bulletins during worship. Then there's a bench warmer, those who don't sing, pray, work, or apparently don't do nothing but sit. Then there's backfill in motion, those people making a trip to the restroom, to the water fountain, doing anything they can to get out of church. Then they're staying in the pocket. What happens to a lot of money that should be given to the Lord's work? It just stays in the pocket. Then there's a two-minute warning. That's the point at which you realize the sermon's almost over. You begin to gather up your children and your belongings. Then there's sudden death. That's what happens to over attention span of the congregation if the preacher goes overtime. Then there's an end run. That's getting out of the church quick without speaking to any guests or fellow members. Then there's a flex defense, the ability to allow absolutely nothing said during the sermon to affect your life. And then there's the blitz, the rush to the restaurants following the close of prayer. Gifts without growth equal ineffectiveness. A muscle, no matter how good it is, won't work unless you exercise it. Coach John Wooden of UCLA Bruins that won 10 national titles said it this way. It's what you've learned after you know it all that counts. It's what you've learned after you know it all that counts. There's a woman on a job that got a promotion after five years of experience over a woman who had the same job for 15 years. The explanation, you don't have 15 years experience, you have one year 15 times. And another person may have five years experience. Repetition should not be our goal, but growth must be. Insanity is defined as doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Philippians 3 said, Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus. Listen to this statement, and I close. Peak performers do not see accomplishment as a fixed state or as a safe haven the individual is more completed and finished. In other words, they never build three tabernacles to their accomplishments because they understand there's more that they need to do in this life. It's called growth. 
So tonight, I challenge this church. I challenge you as an individual. I challenge you as a father. I challenge you as a mom. I challenge you as a saint. I challenge you as a worker. I challenge you as an individual person. I challenge you tonight. Why don't we all push together and let's grow together. Amen. I believe with all my heart. I believe with all my heart. That one of the reasons that we have grown in numbers because we've grown in our character. We've grown in our morality. We've grown in our dependability. We've grown in our hospitality. We have grown in our spirits. And because the church grows internally, it grows externally. It's not just numbers. It's having the right kind of people walk in here and say, I want God to change me from what I am to what I can be. That's what it's all about. Would you clap your hands all over the house right now? Amen. Highly ineffective people don't manage time well. They possess a losing attitude stop growing. Everybody say, Pastor, I'm not going to have those in my life. I love this. I, I, I read it when I was a little old boy. Somebody said it couldn't be done. But he with a chuckle replied that maybe it couldn't, but he would be one who wouldn't say so till he tried. So he buckled right in with the trace of a grin on his face. If he worried, he hit it. He started to sing as he tackled the thing that couldn't be done, and he did it. Somebody scoffed, oh, you'll never do that. At least no one has done it. But he took off his coat and he took off his hat, and the first thing we know, he'd begun it. With a lift of his chin and a bit of a grin, without any doubting or quibbit, he started to sing as he tackled the thing that couldn't be done, and he did it. There are thousands to tell you it cannot be done. There are thousands to prophesy failure. There are thousands to point out to you one by one the dangers that wait to assail you but just buckle in buckle it in with a bit of a grin just take off your coat and go to it just start to sing as you tackle the thing that couldn't be done and I promise you you'll do it you'll do it you'll do it amen stand to your feet all over the house clap your hands to the Lord come on just magnify him right now clap your hands all over the house thank you for the word And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.